We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Back on the phone line, or the guest line, I should say, we go. As promised, Sage Rosenfels, longtime NFL QB, joins us right now. You can read Sage tomorrow, his NFL QB article at thescore.com, and then read him Friday on The Athletic. He covers the Vikings for that side, now he joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. Sage, it's Andrew and Brian. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on this morning. Yeah, it's our pleasure. And listen, first things first, I'm just scrolling through your timeline, and we went to break before this uh, with me not pumped up by Jameis's Eat a W speech. Brian liked it, and you liked it, apparently. So what am, what am I missing here? Eat the W, baby! Right, Sage? <laughs> Oh, I, I, maybe you weren't catching my sarcasm. Oh, thank, oh, Sage, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, you know, Twitter is an interesting place, right? So maybe I should have hashtagged it with sarcasm or something. So, See, the, I uh, knew I liked you, Sage. The pregame speech was just odd. Yep. But uh, what I really thought was interesting was, you know, we've been sort of waiting for that shoe to drop uh, on Jameis Winston since he's gotten the NFL uh, as far as, you know, is he going to make trouble? Is he going to do something immature? Is, you know, uh, something that costs his football team? And, and I, I, I really could care less about his, you know, odd uh, pregame speech, more the fact that it seemed like he sort of started to instigate that fight yesterday, that Mike Evans uh, really was the one who who came in and, and you know, sort of blew up that, uh, that Saints player, but it seemed like James Winston, who was on the bench on the sideline, you know, sort of instigated that fight, and I said we've been sort of waiting for that shoe to drop. We've been sort of waiting for one of these instances that uh, you know, sort of the college Jameis Winston to come out. And I think yesterday was was probably the first time. Hopefully, it's the last because he's had, you know, for the most part, a, a very very good career uh, in his first few years in the league. He hasn't gotten in trouble. He hasn't done anything stupid. Uh, he's been a, a franchise player. But yesterday, obviously, with that big fight, he he was right at the heart of that. Yeah, I, I said the same thing, Sage. Uh, you're getting your butts whipped 30 to 3 at that point, and you're on the sideline, haven't done a damn thing. Just sit over there and, and be quiet and try to figure out what you're going to do uh, the following week. Uh, I want, I'm interested to know your, your grade for Tom Savage because once he was benched for Deshaun Watson's agent came out and, and basically uh, said some things he, he shouldn't have said and, and his efforts to promote his client, Tom Savage. Okay, Tom Savage is back at the helm. You don't score in the first at the helm. You don't score in the first quarter. Uh, they do rally their lay, and he has an opportunity, fourth and goal, to possibly get in the end zone. It doesn't come to fruition. So what grade would you give Savage on the afternoon? Well, you know, to me all that really matters for a quarterback you know, is the win, and they play the Indianapolis Colts with you know, a quarterback that they just signed uh, about, what, six or seven weeks ago, uh, uh, Brissett uh, from New England. And, you know, and, and they couldn't beat them at home, right? So, you know, that, that's a problem. And it's interesting with this Houston offense, you really have to have a – it seems like you really have to have a playmaker at the helm of this offense that, you know, even when you saw Deshaun Watson go in there, I mean, he was executing, but he was doing a lot of playmaking. And, and Tom Savage is not a playmaker. And a lot of NFL quarterbacks aren't. They're guys that go out there and they, and they execute. You know, what, what's my read? What's the coverage? You know, what's the blitz? What's the, uh, you know, what's the protection? All these things. 
Uh, well, Deshaun Watson, he was good at that, but he also was good at when things broke down, uh, when uh, when you had to be creative, when when, when the timing was off uh, to make something happen. He had a huge arm, obviously, extremely athletic. He could buy time uh, and hit somebody down the field, and that's why that offense became you know so powerful. It wasn't because he was you know Deshaun Watson was man. He was just executing Bill O'Brien's plan up and down the field. That that's not what he was doing. He was making plays, and, and Tom Savage is just just is not that type of quarterback. And that's why they came up with 14 points yesterday and, and ended up being the the, uh, the the loss for the Houston Texans. Uh, Sage, both Brian and I you know, can't help but connect Colin Kaepernick to the Texans from a football standpoint. Um, I don't know where, where you are on the whole picture on him, particularly in Houston, um, but it seems like the Texans are just uh, you know, cutting off their nose to spite their face by, by not bringing Cap in for this, for this spot. Well, I said this about, I don't know, about two months ago. You know, all these NFL owners, they always say, you know, how much that, you know, they put winning as a priority and winning yeah. is the most important and all these things. It's not. Uh, you know, making money is the most important and winning is probably number two uh, for, for every one of these NFL teams. Uh, you know, I, I don't know uh, if, if there's one team that could say different because at the end of the day, Colin Kaepernick, uh, the, the, the San Francisco 49ers were a bad football team last year. They're a bad football team this year. And he threw 16 touchdowns and four interceptions last year. Uh, I believe there's only about four to maybe five quarterbacks in the NFL uh, in 2016 who had a four-to-one touchdown-interception ratio, and Cap was one of them. So, no, he's not a, a Pro Bowl quarterback. He's probably not going to lead a team to a Super Bowl uh, this year uh, or, or maybe ever. But he's a heck of a lot better than a lot of these other quarterbacks out there, in particular a lot of these backup quarterbacks out there uh, who are basically in survival mode uh, as they go into the football game. So, um, you know, Houston would be a great place for him. Bill O'Brien, obviously, he's coached the pro level. He's supposed to be this sort of offensive guru. Uh, to me, an offensive guru means that you give me whatever ingredients you give me and I can make something out of it. Uh, you know, so give me a pocket pass or I can make that team great. Give me a running quarterback, I can make that team great. So, so Bill O'Brien coached at Penn State in college. He understands he should understand the spread game. So you could take advantage of Kaepernick's you know strengths, which is not just his arm, but obviously his athletic ability. But you know, it seems to me the NFL has decided that uh, you know they don't want him uh, on uh, their roster because of uh, the quote unquote distraction that he brings to the table. Seems to me there's a lot of distractions that go on in the NFL uh, every single week. Uh, and uh, but you know, the NFL has, has you, could, you could say you know, stuck their uh, 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 heels in the ground and they're not moving on, moving on it. And I'd be very very surprised if anybody started. Yeah, he's a distraction. Yeah, he can't read defenses. Oh, he doesn't know the playbook. Oh, he's a cancer in the locker room. Bunch of bull duke that keep spewing on the young man. But it is what it is. Let's talk about a guy who's a distraction who stinks right now and has stunk up the joint. That's Brock Osweiler again. Added yesterday as a starter for the Broncos once again. Uh, what did you see or didn't see from him? Well, I saw that the, the Cleveland Browns paid him about $900,000 yesterday. <laughs> That's the only good thing for the Broncos, right? <laughs> yeah, for another football team, right? Um, you know, Osweiler, that offense, that Denver offense is, whether it's Osweiler, whether it's uh, Trevor Simeon, it's just not a very good offense right now. And they really, it's interesting because I really thought the first month of the season, I watched two Denver games, and I was really uh, pleasantly surprised by sort of the dominance of their offensive line. They were they were running the football very well. Uh, they were protecting Trevor Simeon fairly well. And they were off to that hot start. But, 
as soon as they couldn't run the football and they really had to rely on the quarterbacks to sort of go out there and win the football game, at least move, to move the ball offensively, you know, the, the Denver Broncos were, were just not good enough to do that. They have to run the football uh, to, to give their quarterbacks a chance. None of the quarterbacks on the roster uh, are, are looking very good right now. So uh, I wasn't very impressed with Osweiler's performance, obviously. They got, they got to score more points to, to be competitive and to win football games. Really surprisingly, it's how terrible their defense looked yesterday. I mean, yeah. they gave up what fifty-one points. Yeah. And this is the Denver, basically steel curtain, you know, type defense that they, you know, they've had now for you know three, four, five years. That's been incredible, and that was probably their worst performance. Uh, you know, maybe in the shoot the John Elway uh, era. Yeah, you know, that was that was really a poor performance. Obviously, give a lot of credit to the Philadelphia Eagles, but uh, you know, this this Denver Broncos team is 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 bad. Uh, it, it, and it looks like it's getting worse. I mean, offensively, they don't do a lot of very good things, and now defensively, teams are starting to pick them apart. So uh, this is a, a very interesting you know, point in the season for the Denver Broncos. They're, they're going to go right in the tank, or somehow they got to do something uh, to flip the switch and, and turn their turn their team north. Sage, what about the QB, the other QB in that game? Anything that really jumps out at you in terms of improvements from last year to this year from Carson Wentz? Well, just. He's the whole package. I mean, I don't know. You know, people, I loved him when he came out, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I'm not going to be one of those guys who pats himself on the back, but I'm going to pat myself <laughs> on the back. Go ahead. Uh, I, I saw Carson Wentz playing college. I went to Iowa State, and I saw him in his first college start. And this is this is after being in North Dakota State for, for two or three years, winning a couple of national championships, and he was the backup quarterback. So he really hadn't played all that much. And he came into Ames, Iowa, my school, you know, smaller school, playing against the Power Five. And he just manhandled my team. I mean, he was throwing the ball everywhere with, with confidence and precision. Uh, he was hurdling guys when we take off and run. He was a stud. And at, at that point, I was like, man, who is this kid who in his first start is, is looking so impressive? And, you know, sure enough, now a couple years later, he's one of the best you know, quarterbacks in the NFL. I, you, he might be a top five guy. You know, right now in the NFL, most analysts would say if you have a, a quarterback for the next 10 years, uh, Carson Wentz would be that guy. There's nothing that he doesn't do well. Uh, you know, he's a great pocket passer. He's extremely athletic and does these sort of Aaron Rodgers type things where he's now creating. You know, when that pocket breaks down, we, we saw that a few times yesterday. And, and probably most importantly, his team really believes in him. I mean, he really has that it that everyone sort of looks for, that sort of competitive spirit uh, that everyone is really just sort of magnetized to. And they have those Philadelphia Eagles players believing. And now they got that, you know, that the fan base believing, and then that—that's, you know, I think Philadelphia is the number one team in the NFL right now. Offensively, they're looking very, very good, and defensively, uh, they're much improved from last year as well. So, and that—that's a hot team. I don't think anybody wants to play the Philadelphia Eagles. Number one is because of the quarterback Carson Wentz. Those dang Cyclones! I picked them to win on the road this week at West Virginia. What they do? Pick them to win, they lose. Pick them to lose, they win. Man, come on. Still a fabulous year they're having there. I know you're proud of what your alma mater is doing, so y'all better hang on to, to Matt Campbell. Uh, let me ask you about uh, Case Keenum because the Vikings are sitting there at 6-2. and two. They had a bye week, and uh, the, the two losses, you know, he, he hasn't played too well, 50% passer, but the wins, he's been 60, 70, even 80% passer. Uh, what are you seeing from Case? I tell you what, I – I, I love watching Case Keenum play because, you know, I was a backup quarterback and, you know, for my whole career. And he's, he's a guy who's still fairly young. You know, he's not 9, 10, 11 years into his career. He's still sort of the middle. I believe this is year six for him. 
and uh, and he has just gone out there and, and just done a nice job. I mean, he doesn't have a huge arm. He's six foot tall. Uh, he's not some unbelievable athlete that you know runs around and makes people miss. Uh, he's not sort of a shock and awe type of quarterback, but he does a lot of really good things. He's very accurate. Uh, he, he's a good enough athlete where he does buy a lot of time. Uh, you know, in and out of the pocket when something happens, you, know, you, you can get out of the pocket a little bit and you throw it away and, and get away from that you know, negative loss, uh, negative yardage play. Uh, he can also find open receivers when he starts scrambling around. He also moves around in and stays in the pocket uh, and, and for that extra hitch, that, that second or third hitch to allow a wide receiver to get open. Uh, he's athletic enough, and he was taught early in his career as a Houston Texan under Gary Kubiak that he's very good in the bootleg game uh, as well. So their offense coordinator, Pat Shermer, has called a ton uh, of bootleg plays in, in these last uh, you know six or seven games. So uh, he sort of seems like the perfect fit for this Vikings team. Obviously, everyone knows they've got a great defense. I, I believe they're the number three defense in the league right now. Uh, the running game has really picked up. Their offensive line is much improved from last year. That was the biggest weakness in 2016. And now they got this quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over very much. He's accurate, hits the guys, you know, when they're open. Uh, and when plays aren't there, he, you know, he protects the football uh, and doesn't do anything stupid. And a lot of times he gets his, his team out of, you know, bad situations. So he just sort of, he's not fancy, but he sort of seems to be just the right quarterback uh, for this Minnesota Vikings team. Sage, uh, last one for me at least. What do the Giants do in the back half of the season? Can they put Eli Manning on the bench if he's healthy just to see what Davis Webb is? It's a possibility. I, I would be surprised for a couple reasons. One, just because of you know Eli's sort of historic importance to that New York Giants organization. You know, I backed him up in 2010, so I sort of understand that relationship, and I also you know understand that you know the team at some point will will have to move on. It seems like. We're getting very, very close to the end of the Eli Manning era uh, in New York. Uh, but uh, I, I just don't see them benching him, uh, at least for a start. You know, he has all these sort of consecutive start, uh, you know, type records uh, right. in New York. He's, he's, I don't know what it's been. It's been, what, 13 years or 14 years or something. I mean, just sort of an epic uh, run there. But I don't see him, you know, missing a start. But uh, I also don't see this Giants team going anywhere, uh, you know, this year. I, they are done. I think Ben McAdoo is done. Uh, I, I hate saying that, uh, but uh, this team just seems to be falling apart and playing and getting worse and worse and worse. You know, Eli, when he was in his, you know, in his sort of, as you could say, his prime, uh, you know, the two times he won the Super Bowl, 2007, 2011, they had great offensive line play. I mean, really, they had a stretch there during that really 07 to, to 11 where, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, Chris Snee and, and Sean O'Hara. Kareem McKenzie, Dave Deal, Richie Soybert. Uh, they had a group of the guys that just didn't get injured very often, and they were they were they were just a solid, solid group. And you know, no no front was unusual. Uh, they, they understood every look. They could really run the football well uh, with, with Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw. But that has now changed, and 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 I think Eli his his specialty was you know running that operation uh, and then play action pass and, and some good drop back and when he needed to. And he was just the man in sort of those two-minute, you know, type of seat situations. He was the cool, calm uh, customer, and you know, when he had to really go out and win those football games at the end. But now everything has changed. Their offensive line is one of the worst in the NFL. They don't run the football very well. They have to rely on Eli to sort of to, to have a chance. And he's that not he's not that type of quarterback. He never was. He just never was the type of quarterback to 
completely, you know, sort of own a football game. Uh, he, he needed help from from his teammates, and uh, he's very different than his brother Peyton. So I think we're sort of seeing the worst of the I Manning because the players around him are probably the worst he's ever had in his career. Yeah, he needs to give that, that eat a W speech, man. That won't help. <laughs> uh, hey, la- lastly for me, have you ever seen this Hill Mary play that the Kansas City Chiefs used on my Cowboys yesterday? I, I had not, and it you know made complete sense. I yeah. mean, I. Once, once I saw it happen, I'm like, I, yeah, you, you, uh, you, you give the ball to, Ty, to, to Tyreek Hill uh, with you know two or three lead blockers, even if there's seven or eight guys back there. I mean, you, the chance of somebody uh, you know trying to get that guy is is uh, that that was a great design uh, and great execution of a play. Obviously, I think that'll change the way that you know everyone does these sort of hell mary situations. You know, going forward, I, you know, you, you sort of see what the Cowboys are doing. Like, well. You know, the, the only chance you have is the Hail Mary, so we're just going to play everybody back by the goal line. What's the point of playing, you know, six yards off the ball when you know the ball is going to be written back, um, you know, 60 yards over their, their heads anyway? So, uh, and, and I bet you that'll change now. And, and, you know, in particular, you'll probably leave a couple linebackers up close to the line of scrimmage. Uh, maybe you'll have a, a player or two on sort of the, the Tyree Hill type of player uh, and leave the rest of the guys back and then leave a couple guys right. up to try to, defend that short pass but uh, that, that was that was shocking because you know the Cowboys had played so well in the first half they had this lead uh, you think it's about time to go in the half and uh, and it wasn't even a Hail Mary it was this you know screen Hail Mary I guess that's what you <laughs> probably call it and uh, it was it was executed to perfection and, and of course Andy Reid you know n- not surprising one of the great minds in football one of the great coaches uh, in in the NFL you know comes up with that play and uh, you know, of course they were they were it was rehearsed it was it was planned. It was executed perfect, perfectly, and of course, you know, getting the ball to Tyreek uh, Hill's hands with with open grass in front of him uh, is a very, very dangerous proposition for a defense. You can read uh, Sage Rosenfeld's article in NFL QB Play for the Score.com tomorrow. Then Friday, an article posts on the Athletic about the Vikings, and follow him on Twitter for uh, all the sarcasm at Sage Rosenfeld's <laughs> eighteen. Sage, great stuff this morning. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon, hopefully. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on again. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.